This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 50 of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on Horse Radio Network. Is your horse shut down and how do you help them? Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsor as they make this show possible, and that is Nova Training. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, what we're going to learn about, what we're going to talk about, is the shutdown horse. It's it's not always as big and clear as as we might think. We think it just looks like a you know a horse asleep over there, but it's not. They can have elements that are shut down or learned helplessness or into a kind of a you know I do exactly what I'm told. So we want to turn them into problem solvers and horses who enjoy thinking. So we're going to discuss how to recognize it and what what do we do about it how would you turn them into horses who enjoy the learning process and are involved and part of it so i think that'll be really fun to talk about now one of the things that people ask me all the time they say where can i get clickers where can i get targets where can i get a side bucket where can i get you know more information or lessons or whatever the p or, or, or whatever it might be so what you can do if you go to my product page you will find um so go to shawnacarish.com or vianovatraining.com and you will find on there product a tab for the products and and under there you can find the different elements if you're interested in getting some clickers or whatnot (laughs) and then uh one of the things that we i said that's also part of the via nova website via nova training so if you look up either shauna karish or via nova training you will get to one website as we we've merged them and that's where i'm based out of is via nova and let's learn a little bit more about our sponsors via nova priority to positive At Nova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique bond with your horse and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Nova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops or positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. Visit Vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. All righty, you guys, this is really a, a, a big subject and it's it's one that is 
kind of full of nuances, you know, and, and, and this is, again, this is the art meeting the science. So in the last lesson, we talked about what do you do with a horse who's too big, too excited, too energetic, when you have too much horse and you're like a little too much Murray, you know, or whatever it is, and, and you, you need them to settle down and, and focus and slow down. So how do you help that horse to learn how to relax? On the other side of that page is the horse who is kind of too relaxed or too disengaged from the learning process. So this part, I think, I think these horses are trickier to work with than the big horse. The big horse, it's easier for me, particularly for me personally, to help those guys settle and relax. But it's a little tougher to get the horse to to engage and to to recognize it. And I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest things I see from these horses. So we have the very obviously shut down horse. The horse like, okay, so sometimes I go work with um, people who have rescued horses. Excuse me. Um, so people who have rescued horses and you'll go to one and one is like, I'll follow you, I'm with you, I'll do it. I may be hesitant in you touching me or something, but they're game, you know, they're there, they're with you. The other horse is like, I'm not gonna move. I won't move my feet. So while the first horse, who's who's full of personality and and really ready to do it, you know, ready to work with you, ready to figure it out, I'm busy saying, keep your nose away. You know, I'm going to teach you manners right off the bat. I'm going to work on that relaxation right off the bat. I'm going to teach those pieces as I'm helping that rescue to become more involved in the training and knowing how to function in this human-centric world. Because I think that's, that's a big part of the rescue horses. They somehow tend to have fallen through the cracks with, with their training as well. So they haven't been assimilated very well. I mean, not always because there's, you know, there's lots of situations. But so then the other horse, you may have the ones that won't move. And you're like, come on. And they, you know, will you come to me? And they won't. You know, they just stand there and look and they're afraid to move their feet. and They're afraid to do anything. You know, they just want to stand. If I stand still, I won't get in trouble. I won't get corrected. Nothing well, I'm better off if I don't do anything. And a lot of times, even some of those horses started with big personalities, but people really wanted to, to stop all that because it can be quite intimidating for people. So it, it doesn't matter what the reason is, but you'll see the horses who are hesitant to move. And so with those horses, I'm like, I would love it if they would mug me. <laughs> you know, I would be thrilled if their head was diving in my bucket because that's where we need to get to so I can then teach them manners. But first they need to get bold enough to want to approach me, to want to see me, to want to investigate me, and that they feel safe enough to even show how they feel, meaning I would like to get that food. So it's, you know, you have a longer road to hoe and it takes a lot of patience because it really needs to be them who comes out and brings this, you know, forward. So it, it's not something I can make happen. You know, it's not something uh, th those horses tend to be quite afraid of the target, you know, so I have, I'm going to have that as a little bit of a dilemma as we get started. So it is waiting for them and then the timing. So as I click and feed, I'm going to click and feed and click and feed and click and feed and get that down and get that worked out. Now, sometimes those horses, you can't even reach into them to feed without them kind of being worried about it. And if that's the case, I'll get a little bit lower to the ground, kind of like the untouchables. It's usually not that bad because they'll tolerate a lot. Do they like it? We don't even know because they don't tend to, typically we don't know because they don't tend to show you one thing or another. They're like, I'll stand here and you can do whatever you want. 
and I'll stand here and tell you, tell me exactly what to do, but I'm not going to be a free thinking, you know, horse. I, I would rather just know the answer. So with those horses, I'm looking for any like with that, let's say I have that horse who is worried and not moving. If they even look in my direction, I'm going to click and feed that. And I will do it again until maybe they lean a little bit. I will click and feed that till maybe one foot, one leg even starts to bend. I'll click and feed that until a foot moves forward. I click and feed it. And so I have to encourage each little step towards me that, and, and really what the point is, is I'm looking for them to initiate something. And it's, and it's really tricky to, to get those early stages because it really needs to be them doing it. So that's where sometimes going back to getting a little lower or sometimes those horses are a little better in protected contact, not because they're, we're worried about them, but sometimes it can, it can help them to feel a little safer about the human. And one of the things I find that tends to help these type of horses too, is sometimes doing things like they haven't had them done before, you know? So so when you get them to touch a target, maybe you sit low outside of the fence and you, you kind of, they're like, well, no humans just sat on the ground outside of the fence. And that sometimes coming in a side door can help you not do what's already been done or do things that remind them of things that have already been done. So they're probably not used to somebody sitting on the ground and inviting them to come towards them, towards the fence or whatever. So, so you have to be a little creative and think outside of the box with those. Now that's the extreme example. That's pretty clear. We can see it. And, and then, but then there's other examples that I think are really important. And I've talked before about when I was a young girl, my granddad had horses on our farm. It was a hobby farm that we had growing up, but he, he was a busy, you know, he was in the medical, you know, he was a neurologist and psychiatrist and he was quite busy, but he had this hobby farm that he liked to go to on weekends to kind of get away from all of that. And we had quarter horses on there, quarter horses that were what people call really good horses. They were so safe once we caught them. It was tricky to catch them because they didn't want to be caught. Now, I, again, this is part of the story I've told before. I was abused as a child. So I was, from a very, very young age, I was molested. And so I was put upon. I was, you know, I knew what it looked like to be imposed on. And when we would go to catch the horses, I was probably about six years old. And I thought, they don't want to be with us. But once we caught them, we could do whatever we wanted to them. Now, I didn't know exactly what was going on there, but I did know that I related to it and it made me quite uncomfortable. So I didn't want to be with the horses unless they wanted to be with me and they had to initiate that. But they didn't have that great of a relationship with humans. So they weren't super interested in going with the humans. So, but what I realized as an adult, they were they were demonstrating what's called learned helplessness. And so the meaning they realize whatever I do, I can't get out of this. Now I'm stuck. I just will tolerate all this as, as I am imposed upon. And so there's plenty of horses I see that people like, Oh, they're so good. They're the best horse. And I will look at the eye of the horse and I realize it's pretty vacant. You know, this isn't a horse that's here and with us. And so it is trying to recognize that my horse just kind of shutting down and going away and going through the motions, or is my horse kind of actively engaged in it and really kind of looking happy and enjoying it? And you know what's kind of hard? Because 
where is the line in there? Can we always tell if they're actually happy and enjoying it or are they just doing it like they learned how to do it? So one of the things I look for that tells me or helps me to recognize is this horse seeming overall to be in a good mental place. It's what happens in their free time. Do they get along well with others or are they kind of shut down and worried about others or are they too aggressive with others? A lot of those show some can be part of some unrest in other areas of their life. The other thing I look for is, are they curious? Do they interact with their environment? Do they want to investigate things? That's another thing that tells me that they're kind of in a good headspace, that mentally they are curious. They do have an inquisitive nature. And that kind of shows me that they are, you know, that they're seeming to have a pretty balanced life. Now, that's not every horse, you know, not all horses are quite like that, but I do watch for those things. And a lot of times when I start positive reinforcement, I'll see those things change in a horse. So, so that, so now we kind of, we have the ones that have come in and they're, they're clearly not going to engage with people. Then you have the ones that are kind of like, I'll do what I'm told when I'm told. And yet they can be still kind of a, they're still shut down in a way, you know, even though they're doing their job and they do it, you know, up to criteria, they may not choose this, you know, given a choice, they may not do that. Another good example of that, I think, is it's one I talked about when I talked about the trailer loading lessons. And when I was called in to work with um, six horses and two of them, I was told were really good at trailer loading and four of them weren't. They were using the target, they were using the clicker, but they had halters on them. And so, the, I said, okay, well, let's have everybody at Liberty. Let's just take, I mean, not all at once, but individually, let's bring the, the trailer into the arena, the horses into the arena one by one. We'll work them at Liberty with the target and clicker, which I'd already trained them to do. And we'll just kind of see where they are because I needed to take a read on all this situation. And guess what? The two good ones, you took the halter off. They were the two worst ones. And that, that shows us something, that they felt like they didn't have a choice, and they did it. And it was a halter. They didn't pull on the halter. They didn't fight with the halter. But as soon as you took it off, they said, I'd rather not. So I, we, want, we want that information. We want to know that. Because with the positive reinforcement, we really have tools to change their emotional response. And what was so important about that is... I do want them to enjoy and choose what is going on and we have tools to do it, but I also then could figure out what part don't you like, you know, do you not like it when the, you know, the divider closes? Do you not like the ramp? Do you not like the truck starting? Do you not like the moving? Whatever it might be, when I have them at liberty for the different parts, I can get more information about where the the struggles might lie. But I think that that is an important thing to say. It looked all well and good until given a choice. And they said no. So those were horses that were really in a bit of learned helplessness about the trailer loading. They didn't want to do it but they felt like they had to. So they did. And I think that that's, that was an important lesson for a lot of people to see that and recognize, oh, interesting. I didn't know that the halter could represent such a lack of choice. So I think that's just something to check and see in your world. But what I see more often than not is a horse, it seems, you know, they seem well adjusted. They do their job well. They seem pretty good. And it may be the halter tack, you know, doing what they've learned to do and feeling like they don't necessarily, you know, they're not free thinking about it. And those horses, when you start to take, uh, you know, you start to give them choice, it can create a great deal of frustration. 
Because then they're like, I want to be told what to do because that's how my life has worked. I've been told what to do. And if I did it wrong, I got corrected. So I'd rather not make a mistake. I just won't do anything until I know exactly what to do. And what's challenging about that is one, they're, they're not engaged in free thinking and thinking and, and a part, they're not truly a part of the learning. You know, they're not there going, hmm, let me see if I can figure out the answer. And that's what we want. We want problem solvers. We want them working as hard as we are to come to a solution. And when you get those problem solvers, those ones that enjoy solving the puzzle, they are, you know, you start saying, okay, we were going to work on this. And you can see their little brains tick, 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 ticking through things. If is it this? No, it's not that. Is it that? No, it's not that. Okay, I'm going to try that. Oh, it's that. You know, and you have them really participating in it and, and liking it. And I've also, the story to be remembered is the, um, is, well, maybe it's not even remembered for some of you guys, but the study they did with the, um, and they did it in the sixties and they gave animals free food. They did different species of animals. They gave them free food. Then they took that away, taught them to hit a lever for food and then gave them both options back. And what do you think they tended to choose? They tended to choose the lever for the food, ignoring the free food, going to the lever for the food. That really, to me, with multiple species, and to me, it really demonstrates how much the playing the game is part of it. There's some intrinsic part in their nature, our nature, that would rather play the game in order to get their reinforcement, to earn their their food. So I think that that is really important. And so that's what we want to create. It's more fulfilling. It's more, uh, we've seen horses just blossom as they started to be able to have choice and to be able to uh, make decisions and be a part of their, their learning. And so we want them there. We want endorphins and dopamines and happy, good horses doing things. We want happy athletes. So it's really important that they feel that they're a part of it and have a choice in it. It makes really a better partner. So those horses, a lot of times too, what I really see tends to be what I see more often than not is when you say, okay, well, let's, can you touch the target? And it's, it's harder for them because they're like, I, I don't, I, I want to know the answer. I don't, I'm, I don't want to do anything that's not going to clearly be the right answer so that you can see some hesitancy in there. And that takes a little bit more nuance to see, but I hear it and I see it all the time. It is just a, it is a worry about, and it doesn't mean they've been treated bad or poorly, but, but it can be that it, maybe it was too much for them. You know, if they're really sensitive horses or they're just like, this is how I've learned to learn is to be sure I'm shown exactly what to do versus being a part of the learning process. So I see that a lot. And, and what do you do about that? How do you help that horse to come out of that shell and start engaging in the training process with you to start thinking, what happens? What about this? What about that? And they start trying things. You know who was the worst horse in the world? <laughs> well, okay, that's a little extreme. But the worst horse I have worked to date was Young Mint. Young Minty was a quitter. He wouldn't try anything. He was a yearling. I mean, he was almost two, but uh, teaching him to do the target. And he'd be like, I don't know. I don't know the target. And it, when I started to do the target, he just started walking away. You're like, I make it really, really easy. The horse who was on the other side of the fence in the pasture next to him, I wasn't working. 
but he was watching and he's putting it together. He's like, I'll touch the target. He's reaching over the fence trying to touch the target. Meanwhile, Minty's walking away saying this is too difficult. You know, so I had to make it smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. But if you look at Minty today, there's a video on YouTube called Clicker Trained Horse Remembers After Seven Years. You see a horse who is enthusiastic and engaged and full of try and full of heart. But in that early stage, he was the biggest quitter I've ever worked with. He didn't, he just, it was not in his nature to want to do that. So I had to look for the slightest try. If I would see him instead of walking away from the target, while most horses, I'm going to to look for a little bit more. But I even saw him look back my direction. I clicked. I said, yes, just come and stay and try and do something. And kept having to look for the little pieces of try. You know, it wasn't, I'm like, okay, that's not really the behavior hundred percent, but you're coming back to the conversation. And that part was really important. And it is what we need to start looking for in those horses is maybe I'm thinking with every other horse, they could touch the target right away, but this horse is not doing anything. I need to take little gradients, successive approximations towards the behavior I'm looking for. Actually, it's not even towards the behavior you're looking for. It's towards engaging with me so we can get to the behavior I'm looking for. And eventually those horses learn and enjoy the process of learning, but it takes them a little bit to learn that it's safe or to have some success with trying things. So the whole point I try to make with those horses is try. Your try is more important than anything. Maybe it's not the right answer yet. We'll refine that. It doesn't mean we stick there, but but really trying to look for those horses to come back, engage, and, and want to be a part of it. And as they get a strong reinforcement history, as we reinforce those little tries a lot, I reinforce them handsomely, pretty soon it turns into a horse who learns, you know what, if I try something, if I try to figure it out, I get reinforced physically because I get food, but also they, you do find that it is something that really engages them and it becomes emotionally and mentally reinforcing. One of the things that, that everyone has heard me say a lot, when the positive reinforcement training is done well, it is not all about the food. If it's all about the food, we tend to have some entitlement. We have kind of some boredom with it. Really, when it's done well in the systematic way, what it turns into, it's really about the game. It is the game is afoot and they like the game. But we have to learn these, help these horses learn, especially these ones that have kind of been like, you know what? No, I don't. I don't think outside the box here a little bit. It, we have to help them. I mean, we don't have to, but to really maximize who they are and the relationship we have and the progress we're going to make, we need to help them get those uh, to be free thinking and to to want to engage and solve the puzzle and learn and become a part of it. So it really is feels like 50-50. Minty to me in the beginning, it felt like it was 90-10. You know, he, I was having to give 90% of the energy to his 10% because he wasn't trying very hard, but I want it to be 50, 50. I want him to be there going, what are we going to do today? I'm looking forward to it. And now he is that horse. I mean, it didn't take that long to do, but it, it really took a little bit of me going, okay, I've got a, I've got a horse is kind of disengaged from me. This, the learning, the, the whole process is, is not his cup of tea. And one of the things that I think is really important is to remember in the beginning, it can feel very slow, 
But but one of the things I also say a lot is slow down, you'll go faster. So I slow down and I take the time and I build the proper foundation. But in the long run, the training goes faster and faster and faster. And it goes faster than the traditional training methods typically. Because now you have the horse engaged in the learning and the training with you. So as like an example, with when I first started, it was time for young little mint to learn the very beginning stages of collection. Now, I hadn't taught a horse to collect, and I remember Vinton saying, they don't get it right away, because he knew I could be kind of sensitive and think I sucked <laughs> as a rider, you know. He said, so don't worry, they're not going to get it. No, but BZ could make them do more than you're going to help him to do. But but all I did is I asked him to go forward, and I used a little bit of rain, kind of saying, I'm putting these two well-established and, and behaviors he knows and likes and does consistently, I put them together. And you could see him going, huh, how is this going to work? Instead of going, what are you doing? Which a lot of horses can get frustrated. He thought, well, if I come back and I go forward, my back lifts. You know, and that's the very beginning of him kind of starting to get his hind end under him. And it, I mean, it's very rudimentary at that point, but I need to get his head started so we can start the physical work that starts to create a horse that's strong enough to, to to collect and sustain it. You know, there's a lot to it. But in the very beginning, he wasn't frustrated. He got it within minutes, you know, and that's what we want. He was a problem solver at that point. And he's like, huh, let me try something. And if that didn't work and that didn't get him the click, he would try something else, you know. And so that's what, and not frantically, but, you know, he kind of slowly and thoughtfully goes, well, what about that? Is that what you want? And as I go, yes, that's what I want. He's like, okay, I can do that. And now he can start to develop. And the process, he got in shape faster than most horses, according to, you know, professionals who have done this and been there and were watching than most horses because he was the one creating the behavior. I wasn't, he was. So I think it's, as we can bring that understanding, it will go faster in the long run. So that's why I say slow down, you'll go faster. So anyway, so those are examples of, of what we're looking for when we start working with horses. What, where are they? What, what have they brought to the table? They all bring something to the table and we need to, when I look at a, any horse that I start working with, I kind of have this band in the middle that I think within this band, I have a really good learner. But but most horses are above that line or below that line. So you have the ones that are disengaged. I got to bring them up to get them in that kind of ideal learning area where they're really good learners. You know, we've worked that out. Or the other one is they're too much. They're too big. They're too fast. They're too hectic. And I have to help them slow down and get some impulse control. But I'm trying to bring all of them to this middle where they're really good at learning and enjoying the learning and that that is what I look at when I see them. I think, what can I do to help you to really be, to optimize your, 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 your place in this human world that you live in? How can I help you to enjoy the learning, enjoy the relationship? So as I look at those horses, I assess and I think, what, what do you need to help you be in a better place for learning and moving forward? And it's usually bringing them up or bringing them down, depending. So today we're talking about those horses. We're trying to bring them up and get them to engage. So anyway, that's, it is a little more nuancy. It's not as black and white as saying take four steps towards a trailer. It is kind of learning to assess and, and recognize what you've got in your horse. And I'm 
going to also point out, you may have one thing about some behaviors and a horse who doesn't want to engage in other behaviors, like the trailer loading horses. Now, I didn't work with them on a ton of other things. And I think those horses, you know, because they're rescue horses, I imagine they had that attitude about a lot of things. But but sometimes it can be one particular area that somewhere along the line, they have decided this part is where I... I'm not going to do it for the ridden work or I'm not going to do it with jumping or what, you know, whatever it be. So recognizing where does it happen? Where does it not happen? And, and constantly looking and reading those facial expressions, body language and, and the attitude and the enthusiasm and figuring out what can I do to help you be a more emotionally balanced horse and happy learner. All righty. So, I think that's pretty good for where we start. What I want you to do is if you have a, a horse who is falls into this range and you would like to work on that horse, then I want you to go to the, get, go get ready, go to the arena, get your, take him to the place where, you know, he's going to be most comfortable working, get your side bucket, get your clicker, get your target and get your horse. <laughs> and we will meet in a few minutes when you're all ready, turn this back on and I'll meet you at the arena. Okay, I am here in the indoor arena, and I have a horse who's new here, and his name is Robbie. And Robbie is, um, he is, he's been an accomplished uh, show jumper, but he is now learning to do positive reinforcement. And so he's, he's six. He's not the youngest. I mean, he's not the oldest horse, but so he's pretty young. But what we're going to do is I'm starting to work with the target. I've taught him to turn his head away um, for food, but, but he wasn't, he was very polite. So it's not even that he turned his head away. He's like, I'll just stand here. I won't mug you. I'll just stand here. And it was even a little bit tricky getting Robbie to take food at first because he was like, I don't, I don't think I should be taking food from your hand. So I needed to help him to even learn to take food from my hand. He never got pushy. He never really leaned into me. He just kind of kept his head forward and straight as it is. So in that situation, I just continued to click and feed right where I wanted his head to be, which is where his head was. But I still fed him in that place, exaggerated a little bit. And, and, and I've really basically worked on the bridge conditioning. So he understands it's the classic conditioning without much operant conditioning. You know, for a lot of horses, they're on you. And so you're kind of like, okay, I got to teach you a new, you know, a new way to be around food. Well, Robbie's already really polite around food, which was kind of my first inkling that I think he has been taught don't really take food, don't go right, don't go left, don't lean into me, don't do anything. And so I think it's a little bit of shut down right then and there. It's the, the, the manners aren't because he understands what to do. It's because he understands what not to do. And that's different. You know, I think when we give them the right thing to do and we're focusing on what we want, it's a different mindset. You know, it didn't come from a don't do that or else. It came from, hey, let me help motivate you to do this other behavior. So I think he's like, I'm not going to touch it or else kind of thinking. So we want to open that up a little bit. And so I'm trying the target with them. I don't know. 
what exactly he'll do with the target. But in all my years, when I see horses who are like this and looking almost afraid of do of me just standing there with them, like, I don't know what to do with that and not being inquisitive, not looking at me, not trying to get the food, not investigating me or my hands or my pockets, then it kind of gives me a little heads up that I think he might be on the more, uh, shut down side about it. You know, he's like, you just tell me what to do. So we're going to, I'm going to go work with him and I'm going to introduce the target and see how we go with that. So let us begin. Okay. So I'm going to, I entered with Robbie and right off the bat, I walked up to him. He's not one that really approaches me very much. He looked in my direction and that was good. So I click and I'm going to feed him for that. Because I like that he even looked at me, you know, so a lot of horses, if I'm starting out, I want them to not look at me, not, not, not look at me, but I want them to keep their head to themselves. I'm kind of going, oh, you're curious and interested in my presence. And that's a good thing. When most horses, you're like, yes, you're very interested in my presence and I need less interest in my presence. So that is um, where we are with that. So he, I fed him for that. And now I'm just going to stand behind, beside him and reinforce him a few times just for keeping his head, you know, where he, he keeps it the right place. And I'm going to feed him over. I feed him a little bit beyond the center. So I kind of go under his chin. So he has to turn his head away a little bit. And the reason I'm doing it, it's not because he's not polite, but I want him to make a little effort to have to get the food. If I just put it right to his mouth, it's not really effort on his part. So I'm putting it beyond. So he has to kind of put some effort into even eating the food. So that's a, a little thing I do that just kind of creates a little activity. Okay. So I'm going to, I have a target in my waist. I put it kind of through the belt, you know, so I have it like a sword or something. So I'm going to pull it out. Now, when I have, before I do, I have the telescoping target that, that we make. And the reason I have that, because horses like Robbie, that kind of have a little bit of, I'm worried about the world a little bit, and I'm not just going to be my, you know, curious natural self. I'm going to be kind of being very polite and and watching all my P's and Q's. When I pull out the target, I have the telescoping target short. It doesn't look like a stick. Sometimes these horses or any horse really can be worried about, because we also have the, the targets that are on a stick, but sometimes something on a stick can be concerning, particularly for the sensitive horse. So I have the telescoping target, so it's all short and squished up, so it doesn't look like a stick. I will get it to being longer and extended, but for now, I have found that that not having it as a stick can be more welcoming for some horses. And by nature, the horses tend to, and this is way different than with the marine mammals, the horses tend to investigate that white ball I have. You know, like, they're, what is that thing? I think the white gets their attention, and somehow they are super curious about it. I've had other people have used a lot of different targets, professionals, and they've said, I've never seen horses explore targets like they do your targets. So I don't know why that is something about the white ball, but that's what they normally do. So with marine mammals, though, because they don't investigate with their nose, because they're, they have no olfactory there. It's just a, like with the dolphins, we call a rostrum. You know, they don't, they, they blow hole and nasal in the top of their head. It doesn't, they don't smell things. So horses actually smell things. So it makes it much easier to get them to touch a target. When I first started working with horses, I was like, this is amazing. 
But anyway, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hold the target out in front of Robbie. I don't want it coming to him because one, I think it might startle him. Two, I need to see him make an effort. It's not even really about touching the target first yet. It's about reaching towards the target. Okay, so what I'm also going to do, just like I do with the, starting the target with anybody, I'm going to, since standing beside him has a certain, uh, you know, it's a context. We're in context. I'm beside him facing forward. He's beside me standing. So what I'm going to do with the target, I'm going to turn and face him. So I shift the context there. So he's like something else is up. But I'm going to have the target slightly ahead of him. And, and down a little bit so I can hopefully get him to step forward to the target. Okay, so Robbie, here you go. And I bring the target out. Now he kind of start a little bit just at seeing the target. And, and he's, see, and this is funny. He's not even really looking at it. You know what I mean? Like mostly even the ones that are worried start going, what is that? And he's not even doing that. He's like, I just stand forward and I am polite and I'm good and I don't change from this posture. Okay, so now I'm going to have a new plan. What I'm going to do, I want to shift and do something different. I'm not a person hand standing with some sort of perceived whatever he might think in my hand. I want to change that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a couple steps forward and I'm going to squat down. I'm going to set the target on the ground beside me. And if he even looks at me, so, okay, there we go. As I squatted down, I clicked and fed because as I squatted down, he just looked at me like, what are you doing? So this is where I've kind of tried to go outside the box. Now this is, he's not used to people squatting down or being low. And I took the target out of my hand and set it on the ground so he could see it, but it didn't look like something I'm going to wield. So he kind of thought, what are you doing? And he just looked at me. So I fed him. And so that was a good start. And he's chewing. What I've also noticed about Robbie, he chews a lot. <laughs> so I think it's it's a little bit of a way to prolong the next thing. You know, he's like, I'm just going to chew and chew and chew. It's a little avoidance, I think, in a way. Like it kind of, he's like status quo. I'm just eating. Don't bother me. So, okay, so he is now finally done eating. He's another horse that is going to be probably to get him to walk and chew will probably be a challenge, uh, but that's for another day. So now, okay, and he looked at me again. That's good. I'm going to click and I'm going to feed. I'm still squatted down. My knees are going to sleep, but he's big enough and bold enough. I'm not sure he would just run away if I have a really, really, a horse that I'm sure will leave and be worried. I would be more comfortable on the ground. He is not giving me anything. So I don't know what he'll do. So I just squat down where I feel ready to, to move instantly if I need to. Okay. So that was good. And now what I'm going to do, I'm not going to click until he gives me at least poking his head towards me. So I'm going to sit there and he is looking at me, but I'm not reinforcing that one. And he kind of straightened his head back out and stopped looking at me. So I'm going to move just a little bit. I'm just going to shift because sometimes just it'll get their attention. And so he, I shifted and he looked back over. Robbie, can you come here? Okay, so what I'm going to do, he's kind of still looking rather disengaged. I'm going to hold the food out 
and this is shifting to another thing. I'm not clicking anything yet. I'm going to hold the food out like, come get this food. And technically, we'd call this luring. So he sees the food, and this is, makes it harder to fade the food. So I'd rather use a target, but he doesn't know the target yet. So what I'm going to do is as he is, uh, as he's coming to the food. Okay, good. Cl I clicked there. So he reached out to get the food, and he actually moved a foot. So not very far. It's not like he took a big step, but he shifted to rebalance and moved a step forward. So I clicked and reinforced that. So he's chewing and I'm feeding him a lot. So the chewing is going to take a little bit because he's prolonging things. But it also is I'm going to reinforce him healthy amounts, good amounts. And with this kind of horse, with that really... Uh, overexcited, too eager horse, I'm going to really downgrade the high value reinforcer and use a lesser value reinforcer. I have too much enthusiasm. Hay pellets is just fine. Now, somebody like Robbie, I need to first get him engaged. So I've chosen high value reinforcers. A lot of them are the sugar-free. I have a mix. A lot of them are the sugar-free, but I have a few of those Cavalier Crunchies in there, which are really appetitive. They really like them. I have some Mrs. Pastures cookies in there, and I have some carrots in there. This is all good stuff. Eventually, I will fade him. Hi, good. Okay, so now he looked at me again and, and like deliberately kind of leaned towards me. So I clicked and reinforced that again, trying to start the process of saying, please come to me, engage with me. You're safe to move your feet. So it's really trying to encourage that thinking. So now he's chewing again. But I will eventually want to have Robbie on hay pellets. That's my goal is to have everybody loving hay pellets as the best treat in the world so that I can I can feed it, feed it freely and not be worried about it. I tend to mix in some of the higher value treats, but they're a little more random, you know, so I know that I'm giving them healthy food with an occasional, you know, granola bar. <laughs> but so, but for now, because of trying to get him engaged and involved in it. I'm using some, I'm using high value treats for now. And it's a process. I'll fade that out later. I mean, fade, shift, you know, make a shift towards the other. Okay. So now I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm going to back up two steps. He's finishing and I can see he's starting to be interested in me. So as I kind of scooch back a little bit and he, very good, he took a step forward and that is perfect. And I'm going to stand up to feed him now because I need to get circulation in my legs again. And, and that was, and at least I got a couple approximations of him kind of coming and looking and going towards me. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up another couple steps and he came towards me and I reinforced him. Okay. That's good. Now we're going to get back to the target part of this because he has been, uh, I, the target is really where I want to get to, but I needed to get him thinking enough to even take a step to do something that was putting some effort in. And so I really like the little bits of try that he's giving me. He's kind of thinking, Ooh, should I, is it safe? And I want to teach him. Yes, it's very safe. It's more than safe. It's desirable. So that is great. So now what I'm going to do again, the target is the telescoping targets all squished down and little, and the white ball is pretty big. You know, it's like five inches long or something. So it's easy maybe six. So it's easy for him to see, but I'm going to hold it low and in front of him. So again, I'm not taking it to him, 
but I'm going to have it a little bit low so it doesn't feel high and and it, the lower it is, the less threatening. So I'm going to come up here and I'm going to hold the target this time. And he kind of, very good. So he, as he came to me, you could see him kind of looking at me and then I could see him look at what is that thing. So I clicked and reinforced that piece there. Now I'm going to back up again. So in each of these times now, he has to at least take one step. He can't just lean into it and get and touch it. He has to actually take a step, just a tiny step. He needs to shuffle forward in order to get to the target and get to me. So we're going to try it again. There we go. And I just present the target. So it's kind of down. And then I kind of present it so I, he, he can see that, oh, this just entered my environment. And he reached towards the target directly there. So that's good. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give him a jackpot and we're going to leave it there. I know this doesn't seem like a lot, but for him, it actually is a lot. The process, what was so important was not really touching the target, but engaging with me, being curious about the target and exploring his world. And it also tells me, so I'm giving him a jackpot or magnitude reinforcement. I had uh, right over here in a bowl that I had next to the, uh, it's one of those buckets actually you can hang on the fence. So I set that down and gave him food in there. So he is eating. Now, keeping in mind with a horse like Robbie, who looks at this and thinks, oh gosh, this is, this is hard. That, that it, it is hard. I mean, in fairness, this is aversive. He's thinking, I don't dare move. I don't know what to do. I don't dare move. And he can find it aversive. So what I'm trying to do is saying, yep, just give me a little. I'll give you a lot. And we're going to keep it short. We're not going to, we're going to, going to keep going and going and going. So he can go, Phew, okay, it's over. And, and nothing bad happened, you know. And so I think it's really important that I reinforce him quite well and give him a little break there. So what I'm going to do in a moment, I am going to put Robbie home because he was really good. But I'm going to give him actually a few minutes in the arena so he can go explore or walk around or do what he wants. He doesn't tend to run around yet. Hopefully he will soon. But anyway, so I'm going to put him home. You finish up with your horse and get to a good place. And maybe you weren't working on the target. Maybe you're working on some other element, but get to a good place where you can finish up and we will meet back in the classroom. Alrighty, you guys, I hope that that made sense to you and you could kind of see the progress in your horse and remembering that, that it's really, it, it is the try that is so important at this, this early stage of opening up these shutdown horses, these horses that think I don't, I don't dare take a step right, left. I just stand straight and do what I'm told to do and tell me what to do versus thinking, you know, I'm going to create something. So it is really important that we start to see the nuances and learn about the horses in front of you. You know, so I have to kind of watch and think, what are you going to do? And how am I going to help you to start to, to get there? And I think one of the, the important things is, as we're doing this, you notice I was raising the criteria a little bit all the time. I didn't just get stuck in the one place because if I get stuck in the one place, they're going to learn this new pattern. This horse, typically, they have learned patterns. This is my pattern. This is what I do. This is how I stay out of trouble versus 
that, you know, actually thinking about what's happening. So if I kind of stay with the same criteria, they're just going to learn this pattern. I've learned this pattern. This is what I do to stay out of trouble. So what I want to do is go, okay, you can touch it here. Can you, can you look at it? That's great. Can you reach towards it? Okay. Can you touch it? Okay. Can I move it and you follow it? And it is, I'm raising the criteria all the time for every horse that I work with, but I'm raising the criteria in such small increments that that they can do it. You know what I mean? I, and I don't choose that you should be able to do this. I look and think you will have success with this. It's small enough that I'm sure you're going to get this. And if you don't quite get it, I'll make it a step smaller, but we're still going to make little teeny tiny progress towards, towards a new criteria. So I'm raising it all the time, small enough that they can get it. I feed heavily because I want them to get the idea that they're chasing this new criteria. They're solving the puzzle. They're working a little bit more. They're figuring out the new criteria, the new situation. So it's really important that I do that all the time because this is what creates the game. If it, like I said, it's, it, we, we don't want them just learning this new pattern. We want them engaged in the thought process behind the problem solving. And by raising the criteria a little tiny bit every time until we get towards our behavior, they start learning it actually as a concept. They don't, uh, they start realizing it is going to change. So I'm going to keep paying attention. I'm going to figure it out. And then I reinforce so heavily that they start learning, oh, when I put in that little extra effort, I got really reinforced. And then pretty soon they're like, I'm really good at this. And they like the process of solving the puzzle. So I think it's really important to keep that in mind as you go forward. So wherever your horse was today, you want to continue to raise a criteria. Now, at some point, we're looking at try, we're looking at try, we're looking at try, we're looking at try. Well, that try is going to turn more into approximations towards the actual behavior. But the try is going to come in the trying to reach the new criteria, the new teeny tiny incrementally more criteria like I did today saying, can you just look in my direction? Can you follow me a step? Can you lean towards me? Can you, you know, now kind of going to hold this thing up. Can you look at that thing? Can you go towards that thing? And so it, it shifted a little bit. You know, I kind of moved it a lot. You know, we had the one pattern of standing beside each other. So I want, and then I said, that's great. You have some success here. I've reinforced them well for that to kind of get them thinking, okay, good. This is working. I'm getting reinforced and get him kind of mentally engaged in the game. And then I, I did the biggest challenge that the challenge will get easier after this, but today and the next probably 10 sessions are going to be more challenging for him. And so that's where I really try to reinforce it really, really, really well. The other thing I want to point out, this is harder on them than you think. So this thinking, this cognitive thinking and this having to solve puzzles and struggling to get the answer, it can be really, really hard, really, really challenging. And actually it can be physically tiring. So that's why I didn't want it to be too much. I wanted it to be like, look, that was great. You did it. And sometimes these horses are, are waiting for the other shoe to drop. They're like, yeah, this seems okay. But when when am I going to get in trouble? Or when is it going to turn sideways? When is it going to? So to go, that's it. Here's your jackpot. He's like, oh, phew, that was great. That actually worked out well. And now what we have is they get to 
access that. We have new neural pathways being formed as they have some latent learning going on where they're they're taking their time and their mind is setting in on it. Have you heard um, like people say, study for your finals the night before and then go to sleep on it? And that's because it's 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 fresh in your brain, but you're going to sleep on it, and your brain's going to process that information. The neural pathways are going to form. It's going to get stronger and more solidified in your brain. Well, that happens with them too. There's also a study I just I just heard a blip of it on you know somewhere, and they it said when we do cognitive thinking, like challenging kind of things that are taking us to problem solve, it can take up to ninety percent of our physical energy. I mean, I was like astounded. I was like, you're kidding me. That's a lot. But you know, it's the same for them. You know, it's not far off for them. It is It is hard and it does take the energy. There was a time when I was working with John and Beezy and then, you know, with lots of horses actually over the years now, horses that have been on layup. You know, so they're now you have an athlete who's been all over the world and they, you know, and they're used to a lot of stimulus and they're used to putting out a lot of energy. They're very fit. And then they have an inner, they get an injury and they're in the stall for 30 days. Well, that could be a nightmare. And I would just go in and use the target and I'd click and feed and teach them again, raising the criteria as we go, teaching them to touch the target. Okay. Can you follow the target? Okay. Can you, can you touch the target high? Can you touch the target low? Can you go to the target if it's mounted on the wall over there and can you hold on it? Okay. Now can you lift your leg? Now can you do the target? Can, you know, you just give them things to think about and solving puzzles and, and engaging their brains. And those horses would stay really sensible, even to the point where these are horses that typically come out of their 30 days medicated. And you could bring them out and they'd be so good and f- so focused on the target, you could start to take their first walks using the target. And I think because they're focused and they're doing something. So I think it's really an important understanding that we can get to help our horses. Okay. And so one of the other things I think that's important in this process is really, if you're new to the training, it's kind of can be hard to trust the training and that it's going to go like you think it does, you know? So you need to, sometimes it does take a little bit to trust the training and to dive in and think, I don't know, but I believe this is going to work. And I have the advantage of, excuse me, I worked with so many marine mammals. I know that it works. So that's easier for me. But sometimes when you're new to it, it's harder to to trust that. So I'm going to encourage you to. So take your horses to the little next step. So it's up to you and what you're working at and what pieces. With Robbie, I will work on getting him to touch the target a little bit bolder. If I see bolder movements, like I'm actually going for it, I'll feed that a ton. So I'm looking for him to decide I can open up and try things. So if I see him moving bolder, less hesitantly, I'll take it even if he moves hesitantly. But if I can catch those times where he does it a little bolder, there's going to be a point in here where I am going to have a bold horse and I'm going to have to go back and say, okay, let's remember, keep your head to yourself, slow down. And then I'm working with more of I've opened this horse up. I'm now working with more of your typical horse who's enthusiastic and trying. And I may have to incorporate some relaxation at some point in time. But right now I will take, I will take unrelaxed. I mean, not nervous, but you know, some enthusiasm would be a welcome change. And we can, we can iron that back out later as we rebalance those scales. Anyway, so I hope that helps you out there. 
um, and, and gives you something to think about. You can listen to this lesson or any of the lessons because now there's 50 uh, on your favorite podcast players. You can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is available for your Apple or Android phones or the iOS or the Androids. Um, just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free. And of course, it's easy to use. And I'm really going to encourage you to visit all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www horseradionetwork.com. There are so many fun things on there that it is, there's something for everyone. So you will, and Horses horses in the Morning is a very fun show. So there's all sorts of things you can listen to for certain species or breeds or medical issues or physical things. It's There's lots of things. So I really encourage you to search around. Also, you can listen to uh, this these episodes. Also, you can listen to them on my website, which is you can just search shawnacarish.com or vianovatraining.com. And there's a podcast tab that you can hit and listen. And there's also Ask Shauna, where you can submit questions if you have questions. So, and of course, you can find the product there that what I talked about earlier. And once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Vianova Training, Priority to Positive. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.